When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. This week, we throw a Hail Mary and we bring in God's favorite band, Jesus Chrysler, to talk about all things Chrysler. So hang your rosary beads from your rear view mirror and crank it up. And I'm joined, as always, with the deniable Baco. How are you, sir? I am well, about two pounds lighter, if you know what I mean. How are you tonight? Oh, nice. Dropping a deuce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got to throw in the kiss reference, get it, get it ready to go, right? You got it. That's right. So I am excited. I think we should get down to it. But we, well, I should say I, actually. For you know, you're usually in charge of the interviews, but I lined up one of the most influential bands of the last 20 years, and I'm pretty excited about it. What about you? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe you lined something up. Who you got? We are going to talk tonight to two members of Jesus Chrysler. Oh, are you excited or what? Which Come two? On. Is it Duffy well, and Shores? Um, I believe it, it should be <laughs> Duffy. I wanted to talk to. Duffy, Shores, or Trouble. One of those three. So let's – I I think – I was just told that we are going to get two. So let's get down to it. What do you say? Uh, Yeah, hey, I got a small order of business to take care of. Sure. We we do have uh, a beer contributor for this episode. Uh, If it's okay with you, Luce, I gave your beer to uh, Treble. Is that cool? That's fine. What was it? Uh, My sister uh, contributed to the – Buy us a beer uh, crowdfunder, and uh, sure. she got us Budweiser bottles. That's the, uh, the the this beer fueled Chrysler in the early aughts. Excellent. Enjoy it. All right, let's get into it.
everyone the moment you've all been waiting for we are going to be talking to two members of jesus christ sir i am joined tonight by Baco and duffy all right you guys uh duffy's not here man this is travel lead guitar oh, yeah. all right i was Sorry. told that i would be joined by duffy the drummer or <laughs> shores the bassist nah. which uh, but I will settle for trouble. He is a lead guitar. Uh, he is a lead guitar or just the guitarist. He's, the, you know. Uh, hey, I play some guitar good? too, but yeah, he's he does the heavy lifting. You're, you're a bit of a banger, though. Yeah, yeah you, I, I'm more. Uh, you're. I'm a banger. You're mash. <laughs> All right. Nice. So we are here to. What are we here to talk about? What's the new album called, guys? Deny it all later. The follow up, follow up album to make bold statements yes and uh, one of the things that i would like to compliment you guys is i love the dot 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 and <laughs> <laughs> i knew you're a big fan of that yeah yeah and and uh just like megadeth titles and things like yeah. that peace sells could have been one album right? right and then the next album could have been who's buying see and this is kind of the same theme and i, I love yeah it. We, we took megadeth and but we wanted to make it bigger yeah better yeah and more and dots I, so yeah, for those who don't know, make bold statements, dot, 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 deny it all later is the follow-up. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And those, as I under- those scoring at home. That's for you, Vic. And that, as I understand it, the first album was based on The Elder, and this <laughs> and this album is the sequel that never actually happened that wraps up all the storylines and gets everything into focus. Am I correct with yep. my notes? Exactly. We figured if Kiss wasn't going to do the Elder Part 2, it was our job to do it. But uh, securing the rights to the name was a bit of a hassle, so deny it all later. Now, if this doesn't go well, it doesn't sell well, will this be referred to as the Jason Bakken Project in the future? I'm uh, not sure any level of sales could disappoint us compared to other records. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. And, and for everybody involved, before we go into this, just so you know, uh, at the t- when will this be released? Will it be released at the time of this episode? It should be out if you're listening to this. It's going to be, uh, I think, the second week in July. Okay, perfect. Uh, and just so you, you know, why don't you tell everybody how you can listen to this album? You can find it pretty much anywhere. Uh, streaming is my uh, uh, method of choice. 
uh, especially <laughs> especially Spotify. I've been really cracking down on the back catalog, uh, which I'd like to. I guess I should mention that too. Uh, for the first time ever, the entire Jesus Chrysler catalog uh, is available at pretty much every digital outlet: Amazon, iTunes. You can stream. You can download. You can do whatever you want. You can. I mean, you this can, is great. This is great news because. Up to this point, I mean, the holdouts were the Beatles. You had Kid Rock. He kind of held back for a while. Finally, Def Leppard released their catalog. And <laughs> finally, the last holdouts of Spotify and streaming, Jesus Christ, is available to the world. Thank you very much, guys. We appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so it want- just made sense, you know. We really had all these, these albums just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, we- and I have to say... And I have to say, in, in all seriousness, this is uh, very risky for me. I'm, I'm. This is essentially the same thing as David Lee Roth evaluating a a uh, Eddie Van Halen solo. Somebody, you know, I'm 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 working with Baco, and I'm evaluating and talking about his album. Things could go bad, wouldn't you say? Uh, it could, yeah. I mean, because uh, uh, our relationship is tenuous at moments. <laughs> I'm not I sure break... how we're doing tonight. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, what what's going to happen if if I say that some of these tracks are filler? Will that end or... <laughs> oh God! <laughs> have you listened to it? Yeah. I have. I have listened to the, this, mm-hmm. and and I have to say, like, uh, I obviously had the privilege of listening to, I guess, somewhat finished tracks like a year or two ago, yeah. and certain tracks I can definitely tell they're punchier than before. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, we really fine tuned the mix over the last, you know, three years. <laughs> <laughs> this this is the Chinese democracy of of, yeah. uh, of Jesus Chrysler. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. no this, doubt. This is our Chinese democracy. Yeah. Started in recording in two thousand eight. People. Wow, this one or last one? Well, the, the, everything. Maybe that's. Uh, you want me to just tell a story there real quick? Uh, Please. Uh, yeah, go for um, it. When we we started we got it to about eight or nine songs I think it was and we started to see that we had kind of a, a like a, a light and dark good evil kind of thing going and so we we started tossing around the idea of actually doing a double album uh, which was the plan initially so uh, Shores joined the band midway through recording um, and I think we had finished all the drum tracks and we're just you know maybe about sixty seventy percent through the rest of the tracking. And he was getting pretty antsy being new to the band and wanted to get out there. So we decided to release the the first part of the record with the idea that we would be following it up within a year. Uh, and that came out in 2012. So here we are in 2018. And yeah, we're, we're happy to announce it only took us three and a half years to get to, uh, or no, six and a half, five and a half years. <laughs> I, I can't even do, I'm doing my Minnesota math again, Lewis. Uh, but yeah, no, that, so that's kind of what happened. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, just, also, like you know, knuckling down and just saying, "Boom, we got to hit this and, and get going." I think we actually started dem- demoing, writing songs, and doing demos late 2007. Started doing finished tracks probably early 2009. You know, you got to remember we we're just two guys, you know, doing it in a home studio, so it's not like we had any timeline. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the, the thing I think is interesting is is both of your passion projects, which mean things that don't make you money, are done in your basement. Mm. Right. That's where they're meant to be done. Yes, ex- exactly. But um, no, in all seriousness, though, I, you know, I, you, you sent me over make bold statements a while ago, but I didn't really, you know, because I like to stream everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't really listen to it in, in the track order because it was just like a Dropbox file at the time, and I, I was very interested in hearing this album and the last from the last album. So you're saying that that make bold statements is more evil. 
No, no, no. That one's uh, the lighter of the two. It's got more of the upbeat stuff. <clears throat> Even though it has tons of stuff about Satan. Sure, yeah. But, you know, it's like, hey, I heart Satan. That's a positive message. Yeah, sure right. it is. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, and oh, devil, got... where art thou? Like you're searching, you know? Uh, so, yeah. No, I, yeah. And like, Rock and Roll ri- uh, Revival is a great kickoff track. Um, but would you say that the sound between both of these is kind of like Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, kind of scattered, or is it focused, or is it pretty much the same spread over two albums? I think it's, the, I would the say it's focused. I mean, at least I know what I w- we were going for, and we we spent a lot of time talking about, oh, you know, where to place the sequence and stuff. So, I mean, uh, we tried a couple different sequences here at the end, but it ended up kind of going back to what we talked about, I don't know, five, six years ago. So, Right. We wrote such a variety of of songs really during the whole you know demoing process and um i don't know you'll you'll hear the difference when when you you know play them back to back i mean it's yeah i've heard both of them i just i just kind of get it for me i just kind of get a, a general vibe on both of kind of that they were made at the same time oh yeah very absolutely. much so pretty much exactly um just the variety uh, especially on you know uh, make bold statements is um, I would almost say it's, you know, it jumps from all over the place. We've got songs on there that are almost like bluesy country, you know, and, uh, no, and I'm, yeah, I agree. Like, uh, do you mind if we just play before we go into the new album? Uh, can we play just a little bit of rock and roll revival? Welcome back from the era of the ringside seats. You gotta listen to this man. It's got a crazy beat. That's the problem with problems. No one's looking up for you. Right, so just before we go on the new the new album again, make bold statements dot 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 is you know they have you have a bonus edition, correct? Yeah, the, the, new... the, the deluxe edition just came out about a week ago. Yes, and can I can I share my favorite track on that? Yeah, why not? Yeah, let's hear. As it. far as the the past, you know, you've got Dashboard Jesus, Third Ring of Hell, and then it's all these essential. Are these demos from both albums? Sort of, oh, there's like you're talking about the bonus tracks. Yeah, none of those yeah, were yeah. really finished. They were all written around that time. Um, yeah, if you got specific questions, I can I can answer it a little bit better. Yes, I would just like to play at least the chorus before we're going to do it of when I dream. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, and, and I'm just shocked the fact that there has never been a drinking song that has this chorus because it's so obvious in your face, but it's hilarious, <laughs> right? It's a great song. It really should be a, a you know a bar classic. <laughs> a stripper stripper class. <laughs> you get fucked up. Anthem. It's, it's an anthem. Yes, it definitely is anthemic. And I don't I, I don't just, I have not written a lot of anthems. So there is there you go. That, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So if I could talk to Trouble for a moment, Baco. Okay, so, I'm, I'll so, step so away. Just, okay, good. So Trouble, I just want to let you know, uh, how would you describe your guitar style? Oh, my guitar style? Um, sure. I'd definitely say it's, um, I have a blues influence um, and a classic hard rock overall. So would you um, say uh, that you you have a, like a slop style? <laughs> I'd, I'd call it grunge. Okay. No, because the, I, I mentioned this Baco earlier and he's like, I don't know if he's going to like that, but like Slash is, is considered a slop. Oh, player. yeah, absolutely. I would take that as a compliment. Okay, so you, you get what I'm talking about. Like, it's not precise. Well, he, he took the comparing him to Slash as a compliment. I just said I, I've never heard the term. You should throw it at him. Oh, okay. No, it's, have you heard anybody call the slop player before? Uh, I mean, other than like... A, In a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. It just means that you're not like a precise... Like, you're not like every single... It, it's very, like you said, bluesy. Mm-hmm. It feels natural. There's a lot of and, and uh, a lot of your songs. You guys actually save the solo for the end, which I think is cool. Right? Yeah. This is, you know, we, we record all the rhythm stuff first, and then solos are always last. So. He's talking about placement in the, the track, I think. Though, yeah, we we, yes. we definitely. Um, well, that's one of the, the beauties of not having to like pay for studio time is that you can kind of fucking do whatever you want. And we tried a lot of different things as far as arrangements on songs, and did what we wanted to. You know. Oh, yeah, we had a lot of fun just, you know, thinking about how, you know, we could do this different here or move the solo to there or, or have a solo go through this whole fucking part, you know. A lot of it didn't work, but a lot of it did, so. No, I think that, uh, Trouble, I think your solos a lot of times elevate uh, Baco's uh, suspect songwriting for the for the songs. <laughs> That's my job. Easy now. And Cobras and Fire is officially over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but uh, see, so, so you guys want to move on to the next album? Yeah, let's talk deny it all later. So let's get to the new album. Dot dot dot. Deny it all later. And if I could just kick it over to Trouble and ask, you know, I know you guys said that you wrote a lot of these songs in 2008, but uh, I know they, it sounds like they went over a couple of years. But how does that songwriting process start? Is it is it does Baco come up with a riff? Do you come up with a riff? Is the lyric, are the lyrics first? Kind of break that down. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, um, there'd be lots of times when we'd get together and um, we neither of us have any ideas and we'd just start from scratch. And, mm-hmm. you know, and almost every time that would happen, we'd by the end of the night, we'd have a song. Um, not always a good song, but, you know, nine, nine out of ten times, I'd say. That's a pretty good you know, ratio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but then there were plenty of other times too where you know both of us would um, show up with an idea already and build upon that so it really was a, a really fun you know collaboration between the two of us uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean um, it, you know, it definitely was very well I mean collaborative to, to, to just be redundant but it, I mean when when a lot of times I, I mean dashboard Jesus from the last record I just had that little two note guitar thing at the beginning and nothing else. 
And I remember Treble and Duffy just we just squeezed in like an hour and a half session and and managed to pump out that most of that song musically uh, in that time. Um, Evil Side, the first track on on Denied All Later. Uh, I had just had that little acoustic intro, and that was it. Oh yeah, and, and that was, was yeah. that was one of the first songs we wrote for the yeah for yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it was when we were still kind of like you know building the studio. Even you know we weren't really equipped to do much more than demo at that time. Yeah, uh, and then Treble kind of took that. Uh, we we built the intro, and I, I even kind of like recorded it before he showed up. And then then he wrote the music for everything else. And if we're talking about that song real quick, I, I know that like we were go up till about three in the morning, and then you left, <laughs> and I just kept drinking and wrote all the lyrics for it. And I had kind of like one of those like. Uh, um, um, walk a shame feelings the next morning. I did not listen to what I did for about two weeks. Yeah. And then when I finally did it, <laughs> I was like, that's going to be horrible. I mean, I was up till five in the morning, you know, writing these. They can't be any good. And it's pretty much what's on the record. I don't think I tweaked it too much. Hear them holler underneath my collar. Cold shit, feeling like a hypocrite. Seems to me wrapped up in my rosary. Broken cross, transfer me, it ain't no loss. <laughs> yeah, we'd start what about eight or nine, and then go for about four hours typically. Yeah, all four of you? No, uh, just the, the writing was uh, typically him and I. And once we got to where we thought we had a shell of a song, or at least something worth uh, putting down on tape, I would sit behind the drum kit and bash through it while uh, he recorded a, a couple guitar tracks. So we'd have some kind of like a, a working shell. Yeah, very yeah, cool. Because pretty much the most of it was all done, just the two of us. Mm -hmm. The writing, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the writing. Well, I guess uh, O Devil was uh, with all four of us. That was, yep, that's true. You know, before we get on to the next track, why don't you kind of tell me, I mean, like I said, the most influential band of the last 20 years. Now, I don't think there's, <laughs> there's, I don't think there's ever been right. a band that all four members, it's Duffy, Shores, Treble, and Baco. Was that a plan for everybody to have just one name like Cher and Sting? Yes. Yeah, it was kind of a band theme, you know. They basically, you yeah. know, I've always had that. Even before I was in the band, that was just the way it was, you know. Now, has there ever been a band in history that just had one name for each member? <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. Uh, I don't think, I can't think of any. Oh, there's oh. one. Fuck, who is it? Uh, what? Is there? Even those that share the name, like if it's the Ramones. Joey from Rock Strike, Strikes 10 has got to know somebody. Yeah, the... You know, where they're basically, uh, you know, probably not the way you're talking. It's usually like the Ramones, Joey Ramone, but it's... Right, and there's like something, the Donna's or whatever like that. So it's not... 
It's not one name. So again, well done, revolutionary. Just just one, one of the of many time. groundbreaking things. We influence people by showing them what they don't want to do. Yes, and and with the name <laughs> Jesus Chrysler, uh, just like the name Cobras and Fire. Did you ever give it second thoughts? <laughs> I didn't. Uh, you, you know, we were called Bloody Bedsheets, and uh, oh god, we had a band meeting, and it was like these guys wanted to change the name for some reason. And I remember, like, I, I talked to our drummer at the time, Shags, and I just said uh, he had mentioned the name Jesus Chrysler, and I'm like, "Fuck, we I wish you would have said that before we picked Bloody Bedsheets." <laughs> so uh, once we uh, decided to change it, my my mind was pretty well set that it was going to be that. Oh, it's, a, it's a great pun. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was kind of in the same uh, era as like a Nerf herder and stuff like that, right? Or a Weezer, that kind of. Sure, yeah. You know, I, I thought it like, captured uh, the band decently. It's got, a, we, you know, we do things tongue in cheek at times. I mean, we take the music pretty serious. A lot of the, the topics we get into are, are, you know, can be heavy. But as far if you watched any of our videos or anything, the way we play and stuff, it, it is kind of loose as far as you know having fun. So can you guys kind of break down that uh, 50 city uh, U.S. tour you did back in in 2000? Trouble, you uh, got this one. Yeah, well, it was. <laughs> it all happened so fast, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of I'll ladies. Yeah. A lot of a yeah. lot of crime. Yep. A lot of crack babies. <laughs> oh my god. So let's talk about the track thin. What is this all about? Going to the gym? What's going on? <laughs> um, well, topically, it is about 
my love for all things reality television and TV shows like The Voice, American Idol, and how they basically just offer so much uh, to American culture. Uh, sure, you know at yeah. least at least in the sense of like magazine racks at grocery stores. If if that's a sign of uh, cultural importance, then uh, those are the the places you would go. But no, yeah, the the line is you know get a new act because you're wearing thin. Basically, yep. you know, I, I just shows like American Idol are, are, had a pretty damaging uh, role on on popular music in in, in general. Uh, it, it was part of it was one of the first steps that I can think of in devaluing the importance of music and art in our life, and I think that's fucked up. So I wrote a song about it. But uh, the music, uh, I remember we were fucking around. Trouble wrote all the music on this one. Really? And, but but uh, but uh, I I I kind of ozzied the riff for him that day because we, we do a lot of things where it's almost like themes like you know when we we're, well we don't have an idea why don't we pull out the acoustics why don't we try different tuning let's try starting the song with bass just to kind of get things moving right and I was like why don't we do some of a lot of pull offs I was like so I was like you know, like but you know that was really all it was and then he you know <laughs> had his guitar out and he started kind of fucking around and yeah it didn't sound like that. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like what you hear on the album. Yeah. After some tweaks. Sure. Yeah. But that's yeah, about, I speak Baco's language, you know? He goes, <laughs> and then I fine tune it, and it all works out. Man. Yeah. Um, and the guitar on this, I believe, is the actual demo recording. Uh, is that? No, I think we did that with uh, Testify. Yeah, I thought we did it with this one, too. No, I think we recorded that one clean. Okay. Creative differences. Well, no. one of us is right and one of us is wrong. There is no good. <laughs> I can pull it up. But I'm just going to go with treble on this one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I recorded that one. Yes, for this one, this is a standout for me. And one of the reasons is, you know, everybody hears different stuff. Not that it sounds exactly like Motorhead, but it has a kind of attitude. To oh, it. sure. That... Yeah. Yes? Okay. For sure. All right. I didn't know if I was out of it uh, completely as, as far as throwing it out there. But yeah, just the riff. Uh, again, another great solo by you, Treble. No hey, bullshit. Thank you. Yeah, so before we go to the next track, up to me, uh, quick question. So, Trouble, did you meet Baco the same I did, which was on this site, guys that like <laughs> Kiss in a heterosexual way.com? No, it was the guy who, guys who like Kiss in a gay way.com. Oh, <laughs> like excellent. All way. right. Well, yeah. at least I was it in varied. both groups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. and balanced, like Fox News. It's good. All right. Well, well. Uh, okay. So you did not meet him online. He is. Uh, he worked with you at the uh, at the printing factory, or uh, how did you guys meet? Uh, no, actually, we uh, we just met through music. I was in a, a different band um, called Distant Relatives of God um, with Duffy. What actually. was it called again? Distant Relatives of God. Distant Relatives of, of God. God. That rolls off <laughs> a ton. Okay. Yeah, really. It, it's a. Yeah, but it was funny when we played shows together because it was, you know, Jesus Chrysler and Distant Relatives of God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bill made in heaven. Yeah. And yeah, we, we I mean, played quite a few shows together over, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years. And um, But uh, that project actually broke up that I was in. and uh, Was was uh, Mike, uh, Mike Portnoy in it? <laughs> <laughs> Briefly, yeah. Uh, okay, that's good. Supergroup. Uh, but it just, it just happened to be that they were looking for a guitar player at the same time, and we kept in touch. Baco and I, you know, met, um, you know, obviously, like I said, just playing shows together. And we got along, and we kept in touch. Um, 
and uh, yeah, he I, he was much better than our guitar player. And I was like, "It's too bad he's in this band. Otherwise, I'd <laughs> shit can the idiot we got and uh, ask him to join." But uh, it all worked out. Yeah. Well, he, did you get? No, he called Go me ahead. up and uh, he told me I had to audition and everything. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. True story. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah, Shags. Uh, I had a, a history of picking the first guy, <laughs> and so uh, Shags, our drummer at the time, was like, "We're doing auditions." <laughs> so I heard that 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 it, that it was a an ad in the Village Voice, and that you guys were playing Deuce, and he had to just solo on top of it. Is that accurate? Yeah, he came in after Bob Kulik. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when when Bob Kulik yeah. had hair help? He yeah, it? yes. Yeah. The only reason yeah. I got the part is because Baco hates Bob Kulik. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I understand. He doesn't, he doesn't hate that's... Kulik. He doesn't hate Kulik. He just no. I likes me I more. totally understand. That's that's a, basically a theme in the music industry. So <laughs> let's uh, let's go to up to me. I quit high school and had a bunch of babies just getting fun song to write you know it's got a lot of um kind of raunchy guitar riffs i'd say you know a lot of cool string bending and it's a pretty heavy song really mm-hmm. you know it's uh it's kind of a song about being a loser you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know, if it were up to me everything would be my my way man but yeah. uh you got if you listen to the words you'll kind of get it it's um yeah, kinda... the, I like the opening line. I quit high school and had a bunch of babies. It, <laughs> uh, that uh, it kind of sets the tone for the whole thing, and it's like it's a guy who's who's complaining about his parents yelling at him when he's twenty five. Yeah, uh, and he's a lift at a liquor store. Yeah, you know, man, I'm so sick of this shit. I'm gonna quit my job. Can someone give me a ride to the liquor store? And uh, I, I don't remember what inspired me lyrically, but it was story time with Baco on this one. Um, well, well, sure. I mean, it sounds like. Yeah, again, you guys were before, uh, before your time. This could have been written. Uh, you could come up with a bullshit story. You could say this is written about that guy that had to go and get kicked out of his house in <laughs> uh, court. Uh, yeah, that's what it's about, that recent thing. Oh, right. See, look uh, at that. Once uh, again. Uh, yeah, no shit. They should have been playing that on all the news coverage. If it were up, up to me. me. <laughs> Seriously. It would have been like the soundtrack. I wouldn't have to move out of my parents' fucking house. Yeah. See? I'm here. See next next interview you do with Rolling Stone. Just come up. Just use these these stories I'm giving you is the fake stories of how the song is written. Because yeah, we're actually on. doing we that next. By the way, I've already kind of had to text him back and forth. Say not now, okay? <laughs> we are busy. 
Or just, you know, there's a difference between Rolling Stone, the magazine, and rollingstone.com. They'll interview anybody. But thank you. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, uh, I just give you a compliment, and then you just take a big old dump on us. Uh, My God, this is the part of the album that is absolutely the peak of songwriting and album titles, and that is Stank Butt. Please uh, elaborate on this song. Well, this was definitely a late night, all night um, writing session. (laughs) Um, We got shit-faced, and the song really reflects that. (laughs) Everything about it, it's it's a dirty, grungy, bluesy, heavy, riffy song. Um, It just sounds like... It sounds like you're sweating. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. it's hot, it's sweaty, it's, it's boozy. Um, it's a little sloppy, um, but uh, yeah, uh, Baco puked the next day. I definitely puked <laughs> the next day. It's beautiful. We, and, yeah. and what year was this? What year was this? I mean, uh, it would have been in that whole. Like all the writing was done between I think about 2008 2010. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but we were up all night on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did not. I did. No, I was not in no condition to be driving anywhere. Uh, well, that wasn't the night that you stayed and you woke up with 160 texts from your gal, was it? Uh, well, yes. Okay. Was, all that right. Was, <laughs> that was the one. Uh, uh, you got drunk and got in a text fight with her and passed out. Yeah, I wrote a kick-ass song though. Yeah. Whatever, man. Yeah, the lyrics are literally about being hungover. Um, and that's all we were going for there. I, I I lifted a little bit of melody from the Foo Fighters for the intro. Um, hopefully they don't hear it and sue for the money that I've made off it. Sure. And, and i got to go back to Trouble well, on this. I have it. to compliment you also, Trouble, because back in 2008, to receive 160 text messages... That had to be an amazingly angry woman because that's on a flip phone where you're using those buttons and all this yeah, shit. You cannot. For sure. That is, yeah, it was okay. analog. It was good yeah, stuff. Analog style. But, yeah. It was. Ex- <laughs> Once this uh, Budweiser sponsorship pulls through, though, I'll be able to pay for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, I, I, I forgot about that. It was like the texting was a little more expensive back then, too. Oh, yeah. Each one of those cost five cents or something. <laughs> They're the plans. My God, so well done, Trouble. You're making a girl go so crazy, you get 160 texts. Now that is a man. Come on. Yeah. Give it up. Right on. Thank you. <laughs> Stank butt. Sweat is flowing from every pore. It's 100 degrees in the shade. Drink too much, I'll drink some more until they tell me I can't play.
song, and that is the the amazingly titled "Blow." Is this a about? Is this a play by play of the Johnny Depp classic? That's fair. <laughs> it is. It's about. It's about cocaine. What? What do you want? It is. Um, Treble. How did this come about? Did, did you have like the baseline written? And we built around it after yeah, we, that. Yeah, we actually, that was one of the ones where we started with just noodling around on bass and um, the whole thing kind of. And Duffy was there at this point when. Duffy was part of the writing this one. Yep. Um, and there's that, that kind of bridge piece between the, the bulk of the song, uh, where it's kind of a combination of an acoustic and electric thing. And that, that, that was a little piece I had laying around for quite a while. Uh, we tried fitting that in, and it fit good. And then you kind of came up with the ending too. If yeah. I recall. And so. then we we decided to drop it down like a uh, a full step. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like super heavy, real heavy. But being as yeah, I've never done cocaine, I thought I was the best person to write the lyrics about it. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Yes. Uh, but I did see yeah. the Johnny Depp movie Blow. No, I remember Duffy was really excited that I wanted to write. I wanted to write a song called Blow. Uh, I don't remember why, it would, but he was like, "That's a great title." Yeah, and he's not a cokehead either, so. <laughs> you know. So basically, this is a cokehead song by people that have never done cocaine. <laughs> I think Duffy's at least done it. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, trouble, good. you've done coke, yeah. So I, I sense deny. a little bit. Of, <laughs> I sense a little bit of cocaine in, in Duffy's drum playing, so that's good. <laughs> it might be uh, riddling. a band and you call it Jesus Chrysler and you get everybody together and you actually say okay we are going to go and try to play shows and I've always been you know the fact that you're dedicating your time to this and you know that maybe you're not going to make much money on it and everything like that but you're doing it a passion how do you solicit and start contacting <laughs> clubs to actually get you to get in there to play I am this is a serious question I yeah it sucks it's probably a little easier now with um Everything connected online. It might, might be a lot easier to get blown off, though. I don't know. Trouble, what do you got? Yeah, it, it's a lot of, uh, you know, door knocking, really. Just, you know, with, with making phone calls and, um, like, just other bands. and Yeah, making friendships. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, I don't know what it... I know that the scene in the, in the Twin Cities at the time was very much... Uh, the guy who would book the bands would actually only book one band. And then he would say, you fill the night. We need three more bands, which is, to me, kind of a shitty way and why the music scene kind of sucked around here. But uh, So, yeah, you, you would network a little bit. We were we rehearsed at a place called Cooler Sound, which had like 30 other bands. I mean, about 28 of them were... <laughs> and then there was us and this 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 uh, girl singer band. <laughs> but no, so like, no, we actually got to hang out and, and meet a lot of bands. We did a lot of kind of heavy, 
kind of thrashy metal shows as as we were almost like uh like the the lighter act in right. the in the middle of the the day of the show or something metal fest yeah metal yeah. fest that was a good one uh, and Jackson, what was the Jackson relaxing called? Uh, that was the. It was a different metal fest. Yeah, <laughs> we did a lot of metal fests that were yeah. called something. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was fun though. So what about? Uh, but did, in the beginning, was there any pay to play bullshit at the club? Like no, nothing like can... that. But there was a lot of getting stiffed. I mean, and it's it's kind of sad that I mean we did a show. Our first club show ever, this has just been right before Trouble joined, we were only guaranteed one tap beer for each member of the band, <laughs> and they stiffed us on that, and they asked us to play a double set, and it was Easter Sunday. <laughs> so you're telling me that you and Anvil have the same manager? Pretty much, yeah. I'm telling you there's no extent that people will go to fuck over a musician. Think of that, though. One tap beer. Yeah, that, and was, oh, there was only we were three piece at the time. Yeah, three. Okay, so that is maybe a dollar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it probably would have been a dollar fifty if it was the kind of beer that I like. I was going to say on the flip side of that, we did get paid in all you can drink beer plenty of times too. Yeah, Ooh, there is. That's, that's true. There's been times where we we played a show with maybe six people all night in the bar. You know, basically. You know, they lost money on us. Yeah. I mean, every band has stories like that. You know, if you if you didn't get out there and and play to nobody, you weren't you never really were playing. See, that's always dangerous though, because it's like as soon as they do that, they turn on the tap that way. It's kind of like you're at the old country buffet, and you're like, I need to get my value. Like, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know what? Uh, I think. Uh, I, well, I know I learned my lesson at least once. Mm. Uh, you? Oh yeah. Well, you mm. see, you, if you look at photos of our gig. You know. At those types of gigs, like <laughs> just right behind the amps, there's like stacks of beers. Yeah, just, like, uh, you know, for the most part, we kept it in check. Yeah, there was a couple uh, disasters that you kind of wake up and go, you know, that's not how you do it. You know, uh, you, you party after the show. So uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I think I could have two beers uh, a set if we were doing a three set night and not have to worry about anything, but uh, and then I could, you know, do what I wanted afterwards. All right, so I'm going to go more in-depth in a little bit about that because I do have some, some questions about this. I'm always fascinated about just getting out and getting in in, in any club and in, in how that progress yeah. works. So let's go to the next track, and that's track six, Swim Fin. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Swim the Witch. Well, then you are a, a bad typer because I have your file here, and it says... Capital S W I M, capital F I N. Swim fin. Well, hopefully that gets that, that gets uh, corrected Shark? before the uh, the album's released. But yeah. <laughs> can you imagine it? It's swim a hilarious fin. title, though. <laughs> oh yeah, swim fin because it's uh, the the finished version of that song. Mm. We had a lot of uh, working titles. <laughs> yeah, they were much more ridiculous. But uh, all right, the, there's like a song called "Something About My Dehumidifier yeah. Being Awesome." I think you named that, that one. That was me. Yeah, because we didn't have a title for that. Was uh, um. I have to get the sound. Yeah, I mean, it might have been stank, but honestly, but no. uh, God, it, it really doesn't matter that. But no, when I was going matter, back yeah. and trying to pick out tracks for the deluxe edition of uh, um, uh, Make Bold Statements, I, I came across just a ton of. I don't even remember 
I was like, what the hell song is this? There's even some like, you know, you know, racially offensive things in there that I'm definitely not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> look, they were never meant to be see the light of day. They were kind of working title, but I was thinking about remember we were we were kind of coming up with the the album title. Remember we were stool sample was one of the first uh, <laughs> uh, like ideas we wrote on the board. Do you, I don't remember any other one off the top uh, of my head. I remember telling you that was a shitty idea. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's his there's the trouble, Jim. Uh, nice. Swim the witch was a term that I found, you know, you know, kind of researching a little bit, just reading about the Salem witch trials and stuff like that. And which was the the case was you would take somebody who was accused as a witch, and if you you tied their right uh, wrist to their left ankle and their left wrist to the right ankle, and then you'd throw them in the water. And if they managed to, you know, not drown, they were a witch. And if they died, they were innocent. And it just kind of showed you kind of this uh, no-win situation. And and it was also around the time that that hurricane kind of wiped out uh, New Orleans. And Kanye West talked about George Bush not liking black people. And... We also had a big flood come through the Midwest that affected a far greater population and received almost none of the coverage. And I just thought about how, like, you know, a politician sometimes, it's like, not not to defend them too much, but, you know, what do you expect this guy to do? It's a freaking hurricane. And I know there was some serious things going on there. I don't want to minimize some of the things that people were going through, but that's what it came through. And so the song, is, you know, there's a line in there, call me when the levee is breached, we can turn the roof of my house into a beach. And it's just kind of like talking about, you know, just more or less kind of taking it easy and realizing that a, that a major weather storm is not necessarily something you want to turn political. You just want to get in there and help people out. But uh, the, the music is... Uh, one of my favorite riffs that Treble ever wrote that I just I don't know speaking his language there again yeah and I and I uh well, I, I think you came up with without me Ozzy in it for you, but uh, yeah, but you do a good job. With- <laughs> <laughs> that now I'm Beavis and Butthead in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got I, a Beavis and Butthead. I, I love a- that song. I remember it took me a long time to write lyrics for it. It was just uh, we basically had the the entire song recorded, and I just I couldn't find my voice for it for a little bit. But once I did. Uh, I do think overall that song knocks it out of the park. I ain't crazy about the mess that you're leaving me. Brainwashed just a baby. They couldn't bring you back around. Left alone with your own device. Something in your head just ain't right. You feel the aftershock. Call me. That's a that's a heavy riffer, and that one we tuned down for too. So yeah, that was extra, tuned down day. Yeah, that was <laughs> extra, extra crunchy. Yeah, you have some some troubles with with different venues not paying you, paying you only in beer, not paying you in beer, things like that. 
But how many shows approximately over? Because you guys were were active from like the first show is what ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, if you want to count the bloody bed sheet years, our shirts say established ninety eight because it was uh, myself and Shags from the beginning. You know, when Treble joined, it was also kind of a shift. We were, you know, going to do kind of a combo thing where we were also trying to throw in. Uh, you know, uh, cover shows. But that's, oh, so you're, you're doing cover covers too. Well, right. some prior. You know, it actually took us about a year, if I recall, to actually get to where we we had a, a cohesive band that could play, you know, fifty, sixty songs. Um, but we were like, shit. You know, we we got all this gear and we're not making any money. Let's let's try that. It was good. We I got think- an agent and we started gigging a lot doing that. And I mean, it was it was cool because people knew like Chrysler is going to come and fucking tear it up and we're not just like a pussy cover band like we melted faces you know <laughs> so you were still called Jesus Christ when you were doing covers yeah exactly mm-hmm. so we kind of had yeah. our own edge on it and we, we we you know and we definitely played a lot of covers that we threw our own kind of slant on um we still did the occasional like uh you know original show where you're doing like a a 40 minute set on a Tuesday night but uh we were actually starting to pay bills, you know, with you know weekend shows at uh, you know bar and, you know bars that like uh, would just feature kind of cover music. So Docks Landing, Docks Landing, Boondocks. Oh yeah, the Boondocks. A lot of docks, huh? JJ's. Uh, trying to think. Of, well, and then anytime we went back to Otana, we pretty much blew shit up. But uh, that's just because yeah. it's my hometown. I had a lot of friends down there. Okay, so so with with the title Jesus Chrysler. What were there? Was there a point later on we were only playing your originals, or was it all his covers and some of your stuff? I think we're at that point now. Um, well, we did make that transition back full circle to just playing original. Oh, that's right. Yeah, after Shores came back, mm-hmm. uh, our first shows were all just uh, you know featuring a lot of the stuff off of Make Bold for the first time. We went, Treble and I wanted to get out and play it. Uh, Shores kind of tweaked our arm a little bit to get us back into doing covers. Uh, and again, it pays okay, but uh, it's a, it's a bit of a soul sucking experience. Hmm. Well, you're not a big fan of covers to begin with, so I'm assuming that you guys. Well, I'm not. I don't have. Plus. I've never had a problem with cover bands. I've enjoyed a lot of cover bands over the years. I I, I don't like a band that does a tribute gig as their full time thing. You know, like a I'm a Kiss tribute. Or I'm a you right. know a Motley Crue tribute. To me, a tribute's like a one time thing. You, you, but. I've never had a problem with a good cover band that can play a lot of stuff, or like you know someone that was like a genre type tribute, like disco music or something. I, if you're good and you have fun and people are enjoying it, you know whatever. I mean, I, uh, I can have a few beers and enjoy uh, pretty much any kind of band. When you do it as a musician and you're also writing your own music, it does kind of tear at you a little bit. With that, you know, this is how you get people out there. It, it's harder to get them to pay attention, you know, on, like I said, on Tuesday night at uh, 11 o'clock at, at a bar in downtown Minneapolis. So you would say it's better on Thursday? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Thursday is the prime night. Yeah, you, you get get ready for the weekend. Uh, uh, it's always better when you got a headliner that can draw. I remember at some point on the show you mentioned something, and, you know, you've got you got bands like the Rock and Roll Residency in Nashville that, you know, end up being Gene Simmons' backup band. That's an exception to the rule. But you said at some point, unless you're going to go full tilt, quit your job, do everything else, just be the best cover band you can be in town. That's kind of, yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, do what you want to do. 
But yeah, if you're not going to basically say no wife, no kids, I'm not going to put myself in a financial situation where I have credit card debt, car payments. You need to be in a city like Los Angeles, Nashville, Chicago, New York. If you're not willing to do that, then yeah, you know what? Get your full-time job, get your finances in order, become really good at what you're at, and then just yeah, be the best goddamn cover bar in town. So I found I I, I came across that thought a little late in my life. So, Trouble your thoughts? Yeah, I just opened a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Are you for or against like, that statement? Oh, I actually agree with pretty much everything Baco just said about it. I mean, it's it's fun, but it is soul sucking at the same time. Like, you know. The whole cover band thing, that's what we're saying, right? Well, I mean, and then yeah, just yeah. like, if you're not willing to commit full on, basically... Oh, yeah. I mean, again, it's easy to say now. You know, I mean, it it, it wasn't easy to make that decision, but that's kind of the point. When right. you're 20 and you're unattached and you don't have debt, it's not easy to just pack up and move away from your family and your friends and just dive into it. But that the people that succeed, that's what they do. Right. You got to go all in. No yeah, you don't make it no big living in your mom's, you know, house in Medford. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If, especially if you're going to try to be just an artist and not do the cover man thing and make money. Like, seriously, good luck. But honestly, things have changed so much with that, too. I'm not sure what the fucking answer is now. Uh, just become Justin Bieber and hope Usher finds you. Hey. Begins. this to be the last song on the record just because of the name <laughs> <laughs> just to confuse people that's good yeah uh, like it should it should be an opening track right well, well <laughs> we went back it, on, south on that too because the yeah. evil side you know is the lead track for the evil side of the 
the double album, but oh, I forgot to mention we the, we wanted Evil Side to be six minutes and sixty six seconds long, Ooh, and too long. when we got back, you know, to where we're actually doing the final mix, it was like shit. I mean, I, I really would have to just that whole drone. I would have to like, <laughs> throw another thirty seconds of that on yeah. there. Like, ah, oh, that's it was very ridiculous. I love the idea of ending a record with a song called "Now It Begins." It's just not a great record closer. <laughs> gotcha. It just feeds out too when you hear it. It just fades. Yeah. It just keeps going and going. So of these tracks so far, which ones are filler? <laughs> <laughs> Trouble? Hey, did I mention this uh, podcast? Or this band was uh, sponsored by Budweiser tonight. <laughs> Cold, crisp, beautiful Budweiser. Excellent. Okay, uh, that's his uh, answer to filler. Apparently the filler on the record is... Uh, <laughs> Is Budweiser. <laughs> Do you know what filler is, Trouble? It's not things that f- fill you up. Like, you know, oh, man. It actually yeah. is a term. It's a term. Like I'm teaching a lot of stuff tonight. Slop guitar player. Tonight. <laughs> filler. <laughs> banger. I've heard of filler. Uh, I've heard of bangers, too, yeah. But uh, we got that from our boy, uh, uh, Sean McCoy. That's right. It's the first time I heard that. All killer, no filler. There you go. Okay, excellent. Coming up right now is my... I'm not sure if it's my favorite song on the record, but it's my favorite chorus because it is so ridiculous. Was it Swing on My Axe? Is that is that the, the chorus? Spit the on lyrics? me. Yeah. Spit on I, me. Take a swing on my axe, yeah. <laughs> yes. The track Spit on Me, if there is a misogyny alert, we have to, we have to play it right now. Sit back, relax, take a swing on my It is just everything you'd want to have in an offensive song, but the chorus is amazing. And I have to say too, I'm not even sure if it's if it's kiss like or just a hooky ass chorus. But I'm going to go back on that real quick. For somebody that's such a, a has a kiss obsession as Baco does, and what, what are your band? What's your band? Uh, uh, Trouble is, are you in there too, or is it just like another band for you? Yeah, I'm definitely not a huge Kiss head like Baco is. Not not even okay. close. Um, okay. Actually, well, he's he's rubbed off on me as far as that's concerned. I've I've become more of a Kiss fan just by being around him. Osmosis. Can, can you imagine that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I guess uh, I guess my 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 point is saying that is that there's the, I was expecting before I heard a single track by your band Baco to hear a bunch of Kiss like songs and to mm. to your you know to the i guess the whole bands uh, as a compliment there is very little of that here in a good way well i, I have not, other influences so. oh i know i'm just saying but but you would think that you there would be at least be some aping whatever a lot of bands do that you know they they wear their influences in their sleeve and there's everything of these songs are, is a nice blend of of all bands well thank you very much uh, we're taking rock and roll to the 22nd century. Again, very influential. Yeah. Uh, but well, spit on me. Spit on me. So, yeah, talk about it. Oh, man. It's just a dirty, raunchy <laughs> guitar riff. I actually struggled with keeping this on the record because the uh, it's difficult to... Uh, to take myself serious listening to myself sing this thing but uh, uh, we actually got remember this is the night Jade got Hives 
And uh, we had like a little 13-inch TV with a built-in VCR, and we had it watching porn. Uh, and uh, my wife Amy came down <laughs> with like, Jade's got hives. Oh, my God, what the hell are you guys watching? <laughs> Just like two dudes with guitars staring at this tiny television with some fucking, you know, I don't know, like some of those bootleg uh, Tracy Lords movie or something. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> what, is, what is that move? I think that's only in porn is they move when they spit. Yeah, exactly. You know well, the, the song literally is about that, spitting on a dick, you know. Um, yes. <laughs> there's there's no subtle message like swim, you go from swim the witch, which is like a metaphor for let's try to look at like how this is a lost lost situation too uh this song spit on me is about spitting on me uh, uh the music but, is amazing on this yes it's, that's the whole thing is like this is your burn bitch burn of the album yeah, <laughs> yeah. put your log in your fireplace uh it's a and uh, features song. a little bit of lead guitar for me on this one uh this is tell you the first time i heard this album front to back this is the chorus that stuck in my head so i'm glad you did not cut it i know it's ridiculous and over the top and all that stuff but that's a hooky ass chorus <laughs> spit on me of the uh, over the course when you guys were active cover band doing originals things like that how many shows would you say you did in total and were they all on the weekend it doesn't sound like they're on the weekends so you no, guys always yeah. fit them in whenever cover right? shows were typically friday saturday night uh original shows were all over the place yeah we play you know monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday i, I mean there, there's a list actually of most of them uh but yeah it, i mean over a hundred shows over the course of i don't know four or five years Rarely yeah, a Sunday. Get, yeah, but not too many Sundays. Okay. So would you say you did 100 shows? Oh, yeah. 200, is it, uh, yeah between 100 and 150. I mean, it's, it's over 100, but... Uh, yeah. Definitely over 100. Now, did you ever play a... Like a parking lot outside of a of a uh, outside of a fest where they had that one band, you know, the band that people walk by when they actually go to the actual fest that's playing out there at like six. Oh yeah, we played. Open. A, we played a hog fest. It was a yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they, See, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, we were in a parking lot of a biker bar. Uh, 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 no, like it's a, a bike, custom bike shop. Yeah, that was awesome. Actually, the yeah. stage was the you know like a 
truck thing. It was like a, like a hay trailer. Yeah, some kind of truck thing. It was awesome, except for where you know the bass player was standing. It was like a forty-five degree angle, and and Shags was like hanging off the back of that deal. Yeah, it was a it was a rickety it was a rickety night. But no, it was yeah. No, we've done. Oh, uh, that's definitely one that kind of sticks out as kind of an oddball. Because and like the the bikers would come up and they would be burning their their back tire until it popped right in front of the stage. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd walk it away and somebody else would come up and do it. And apparently that was like a, like a, like a, a almost like a applauding. Yeah. That was it. Was, were you required to play Ted Nugent that night? <laughs> <laughs> we probably played cat scratch fever that night. Yeah, we sure had we to, I'm right? Sure yeah. We, did. we did. We, we, we did the Pantera version though. Yeah. Ooh, just, just to like feel uh, better about ourselves. That's cool. So, the, any other gigs? I know you played. You mentioned you played uh, whatever the the back. What's the back door of the eleventh? Oh, first Avenue. Yeah, we played Seventh Street Avenue. entry. Uh, Patty Smith was headlining the main room, and uh, we got. They, it was uh, they did like a random draw for all the local bands, and we actually got the headline and and actually benefited because that was the uh, after her show was done. So all these people walked over and watched us. And oh, very cool. So what? What's any other? specific like that was cool what about the uh we did a new year's gig at the only bar with nobody in it and one of the employees got drunk and uh uh, started throwing pepperoni at us and (laughs) oh yeah and like they 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 had us turned down to where i could literally hear the picks hitting my string over the guitar coming through the amp it was like they didn't want us there yeah, it was like it was. I don't know why did you book us? They ended up paying us. They gave us a check to bl- signed to Jesus Christ or like yeah, six. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. You never made. You never did Jesus Christ or LLC or anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, th- our manager was supposed to handle this stuff at the time. It was the first. This place was just kind of goofy and stupid. Uh, they didn't want to be there. The they actually asked us to stop at midnight so they could watch the ball drop. <laughs> Yeah, they wanted to watch the ball drop on TV instead of listening to us play the Happy New Year fucking thing. And even the sound guy, when we walked in, he like warned us. He's like, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to ask you to turn down. <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't even unloaded. <clears throat> yep. That yeah, was a good sign. Oh, my God. But that was the worst gig ever, probably. Mm-hmm. And that was like the only time it's ever been that bad. No. Yeah, we're only telling about all, all the nightmare shows, but they're the funniest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, sure. And uh, I, I just said the best part of that story is the fact that it was, the check was written out to Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine that you actually went to form a corporation and you went to apply for Jesus Chrysler LLC and it was already taken? <laughs> uh, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> Who the hell is naming their Julian Gill squatting on it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you buy JesusChrysler.com? We did. Actually, .net. And someone was squatting on that and never used it. Somebody was actually on the .com? Yeah, and and you went to it, and all it said was, Jesus Chrysler is coming. And that was it. There was no info. You have no idea even if it was a band. It was just, that's all it said. It could have been some weirdo. Ooh, that goes into the next thing. Have you ever had any letters from or to that really weird, evil version of Jesus Chrysler that's on Spotify? (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, We've gotten some uh, uh, mail from extremists. You know, like the email is like all giant letters talking, and then it's like, you know, condemning us to hell or 
telling us to repent or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, See, that's just it. The, the beauty of having a name like Jesus Christ is people either think that we're um, Christian band or that we're Satan <laughs> worshipers. So we get yeah, hate from both sides, yeah. really. We'll get, yeah. like, uh, we got that tweet once that was, like, it just literally only said, it was from, like, a death metal band, and it all it said was, fuck your God. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. they went out of their way to tell us that they hate us because we're Christian, but we're not, so yeah. whatever. And, wow. the, and the dumbest Christians think we're Christian. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but my question is, like, do you know where that band is even from? Because first time I looked you up on, on anything, like, on... YouTube, I, I accidentally got that. There's some. There's a weird ass, no, disgusting I, I, band. Are you talking about? I think it's like Jesus Chrysler Suicide, right? That's who you're no, referring to. No, it's all. It's called Jesus Chrysler. That's it. Are you sure it's the one with the Z though? Like Jesus. See now, there's been a few that have popped up the last couple of years. Oh, okay. Well, this one is just straight up your name. So maybe you need to look into that. But uh, yeah, but but it's go look at yourself on Spotify. Um, oh, is it the one with the elk? Done. That's the new one. I haven't yes, checked them out. Yeah. Yes, the elk. Those guys are evil. Yeah, I don't know much about them other than that. Like, apparently, they don't know how to use Google. Yeah. It's, what do you guys yeah. want to call our band? Let's not check the internet. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of like maybe you'll just have to add BC at the end of yours, like ghost. Well, yeah, we we, we should have done something like that. We call it Jesus Christ or official. Yes. Uh, we definitely have a big enough of a web presence that if they made any effort at all, they would have uh, they would have seen that it existed. Cool. So let's talk about kill your idols. You had to kill your idols. Probably the first song I ever wrote. This one goes back to my college days. Uh, and I demoed it with a, a friend in Oatana. Well, demoed it is a strong term. We recorded it with his boombox. And I don't know, I just kind of sat on it for a long time. And uh, digging through some ideas, I, I realized I, I like the song a lot. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty down and dirty. There's not a lot to it. Uh, it's a quick hitter, about two and a half minutes. I think on this one I recorded all the guitars and just brought treble into put a tasty lead on it. Sounds about right. Cool. Anything else you want to say about that one, Baco? I got the title from uh, a Rolling Stone picture I, I saw of Axl Rose. He was wearing a T-shirt that said, Kill Your Idol, and had a picture of uh, Jesus on it. And I, for whatever reason, I thought it was a, uh, a good song title. Took it, took, took it from there. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, they all say that... Uh, no, that's perfect. I mean, they all say, good artists create, great artists steal. So well done. Thanks. Yeah, whoever came up with that shirt, you're uh, you're a big influence on me. All right, well, moving on. Let's. We're on track ten, and that is "Where Are You Now." Could stop you from believing I'm alive. 
Break It Down. It's a song about uh, uh, basically breakup and dealing with the you know the the reality that uh, the person that you thought was going always going to be there for you is not only not going to be there, but they're out of your life altogether. And I'll tell you, uh, if for any uh, uh, budding songwriters uh, listening, that's a great sentiment to write about when you're happily married. <laughs> I remember playing this for my wife, and she's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm not literally, you know, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm touching on a feeling that I remember. You know what I mean? Uh, so it See, features me on keyboards. <laughs> Ooh." Nice. <laughs> I didn't know that was you on it. See, I, I completely mistook the song for just simply singing about when your GPS breaks. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's about now. Okay, good. That's what you tell. That's what you tell your wife. That's my point. Uh, <laughs> All right. Anyway, any thoughts on this else? one, Trouble? I mean, you get, it's a great lead on this one. <laughs> Another one of those fun, you know, collaborations between us where we really just knuckled down and, you know, created a killer song. But but w- with that said, I mean, would you say percentage-wise that, like you, Treble, you come up with this riff? Because there are some great riffs on both of these last, on both this album and the previous, that I would, I would put it up to, you know, no bullshit. Like, these could be on... The riffs you guys came up with, if they were on bands that you like, you would be like, that's a great fucking riff. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... So what... uh, my, my question is, did a lot of these songs, what percentage of the songs were riff-based versus sitting down and, and hashing out the ideas? I think, oh, that's a good um, question. Yeah, more of them are, I think, riff-based, really. You know, yep. a lot of the times, the, like, the silly songs like Spit On Me that was kind of like the, the riff and the whole theme of it just worked, you know, but a lot of times um, we just come up with the music, you know, and uh, just come up with killer riffs. And I mean, for, yeah, for the most part, the lyrics and melody was my, uh, my role that, that that's not entirely, that's not a hundred percent. I mean, uh, like uh, Apricots Tomorrow was a, a complete song that you brought uh, right. everything from lyrics to melody to the music. Uh, I think this album uh, has a heavier percentage of guitar parts uh, and music that Trouble wrote than the, the, the first one. I would say this one's probably about, I don't know, 60, 40, 70, 30, somewhere like that. There's, I mean, like Kill Your Idol, I, I wrote uh, pretty much all of it. I think uh, Where Are You Now, um, the, the body of the song was, was musically written by me, and he came in and kind of added some color. But we're talking about so many of these songs that were... You know, it was, we started with a riff, and then, you know, it was a riff typically he came up with, you know. Um, there's a couple examples where I had a, a small riff or a small idea, and then it just took off from there with him. But, uh, you know, th- this one is more guitar-heavy, too, and I think that's kind of a testament to him. So, Yeah, this this album, the Deny It All Later um, album, really is 
yeah, it, like Vago said, super guitar heavy. And um, again, that's just the way it worked out as mm -hmm. far as the arrangement of them because these were all written at the same time, you know, make both statements. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could have picked yeah. different songs and the, the ratio would have been a little different. It's just the way it worked out. We decided pretty early on, as I recall, that... It, we we worked really well together that we just stopped worrying about there was no scorekeeping or anything like that it was like it was it was either good or bad we always had that dynamic too where we're not really afraid to to tell one another if something sucks yeah. so. <laughs> fortunately we never had to deal with hurt feelings uh, when someone's idea didn't work we just kind of moved on very cool and from a non musician and just an idiot that likes to talk on the microphone about music the a great riff has always fascinated me as far as how it's how it's made and how sometimes how easy it can be like some of the greatest riffs are very easy i guess to play but like how does that even like how do you just sit down and just fuck around on your guitar and end up with something that you're like okay that was good i think you just described how <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it there's no magic formula you just spend time at it you know you sit down you get together you have a good time with your friends and you know. So somebody at one point just says that was good. Stop. Do that again. Yep. Essentially. Yeah. Yep. When with the two of us, yeah. I mean, but there's times that trouble brought an idea too, like you know, or I had something that was like you know the the skeleton of something, you know, and then we took it from there. But you know, honestly, a lot of this this record and the last one was written with like two guys going, "What are we gonna do tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And then I remember when we tried to bring other people in too. They were like, "Yeah, we'll see how it goes." Like, I don't think you understand. We're 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 not leaving until there's something recorded. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's good or bad. We're getting something fucking accomplished tonight. Yeah. Yeah, there's no see how it goes. Once we got moving, we were like, there's no, no. Tonight we're, I mean, again, some of the songs aren't going to ever see the light of day. But for the most part, what you hear is what we got. Yeah, and that leads in perfectly to my favorite song on the album, one I've heard in, I guess, different versions over the years. Would you say that, like the at least how it was produced? Maybe a little bit. This one was mastered pretty early on. There's been some tweaking uh, a little bit lately, but uh, it, it's pretty bit. It was pretty clean. I spent a lot of time working on this one as far as the uh, the engineering end. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, all I can tell you is this: is that's where I was I was leading you into this song with talking about riffs because this song, for the first time I heard it, probably two years ago, and we threw it on the beginning of one of our one of our episodes ddoa dumbing down of america i'll definitely hand over to you as far as the lyrics and everything like that but from the first time i heard this <laughs> this sounds like supernaut and day tripper had a bastard baby
literally only wrote that riff for this song. Everything else, uh, Treble did. Uh, okay. And that's all I had. Yeah. Um, and uh, even that breakdown part changed a little bit when we decided to record the final drum track. In uh, that, you know, that the that where it breaks out of the acoustic, there's like a. Um, that had no drums on it when we initially demoed it, uh, but when you and Duffy were working, trying to get the the final track on the drum track, you guys kind of changed that up at the last minute, and it, it was a brilliant move. It was, yeah, definitely one of those moments where we were like, "Hey, wait a second, we can we can do this just that much better." I was like in the other room, like pressing uh, start and stop on the record, just surfing the internet. I'm sure on my phone. And, <laughs> hey, by the way, Baco, we want to do this. <laughs> Wasn't uh, even listening, but it worked no, out. It, yeah. Again, it's a great track where the riff is probably. I've always loved the riffs that are like it's like a 10 to 12 second riff. That's why I think about like a like a day tripper or a super not that. that just, I mean, the first minute and a half of this is that, and then mm-hmm. combined with the the drums, whatever the the fills are right there. I don't know. It's a great like if that song was just that riff in the beginning, it, it, it is is like an intro to anything. It would be great in and of itself. The fact that it has the lyrics that I'm sure you're going to go into in a second, on top of great guitars by Trouble and and just the structure of it takes it. This is a standout track. That's it. I'm not going to stop gushing over this. And, 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 but the point is, as you can see through through this episode, I will tell you if I like a song or not, but this song is incredible. Nice. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, th- I think this is a pretty good marriage of uh, how d- Treble and I kind of come at the guitar. It's almost like you know we're both running at each other, and this is kind of what you get. I remember that riff though; it was very important in my head, and it turned out almost. It's it's always good when when the the final product sounds like what you want it to sound like. I wanted the the riff to be the chorus. Like there's there's no actual words or lyrics. The riff actually kind of gets your brain going in the same way a chorus would. I can uh, see that. Um, as it gets stuck in your head. That's what I'm saying. The riff is, is a, like, you're right, it's it's the hook. But I had no idea what to do with it other than that. And so Trouble came up with this the the, the verse parts that, that uh, we're, we're getting it into here. So that was great. But the, the lyrics, you know, kind of touch on something that, that, that I've, I've felt a lot. And that is how we've just basically, like, dumbed down America to the point where, you know, that's the way you succeed. Uh, it, it, the, the, I think when you listen to it, I mean, I use a lot of big words like quotidian. Oh yes, you know, that's so good. Uh, and 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 you know, I definitely whipped out the Rob uh, Halford uh, thesaurus for this one. So mm-hmm. <laughs> very very. Impressive. Treble, what are your thoughts on this? You did so much heavy lifting on this thing. It's it's amazing. That that riff was what sparked the whole song. You know, from there it just kind of just blew up and went with it, man. That that breakdown part too with the uh, the clean guitar and the we did that with an acoustic. Uh, I'm amazed that it sounds as good as it does, considering you know, like how much we're a couple of noobs <laughs> in a basement with a Pro Tools kit. You know, yeah. Well, funny funny side story on that is like there were times when we thought our demos were better than the the finals. You know, uh, hats off to Paul Stanley. Beat the demo. <laughs> yeah, right. We played. Kept, we kept saying that. Had to play that beat the demo game. That that this brings us to the closer of the album, 
And that is, it's an interesting title. It's Z, capital Z, and then Gusto. So you want to break that down? Trouble, do you remember why we called it the Gusto? I mean, I do. I'm just curious if you do. Oh, I definitely remember. Okay. It was the only... Uh, we had every other letter of the alphabet, basically. Yeah, like if you out if you did an A to Z of all the Jesus Christ or songs, uh, we were missing three letters: uh, G, uh, Z, and V. And now we have a song that didn't make the record call uh, "Grow Up and Get a Real God," which was kind of a segue. But with streaming, you know how that does a hard cut. This is kind of like one of those things that kind of seeps on the edges of two other songs. So we didn't use that. We made up the word Zagusto. Because it kind of sounded like what we were talking about, uh, just to get the letter Z. But uh, yeah, so we're, we still ended up two letters short after everything is done. It seemed like you know calling the intro something else was uh, too much work just to get a letter on a list. This is all, all the music was uh, trouble on this one. Uh, but the, at the time, the the Repu- uh, Republican National Convention was going on in St. Paul, and this is about ten minutes from my house. And protesters were showing up from out of state with buckets of piss and super soakers. They ended up getting arrested before they did anything. But I remember just thinking, like, I'm not a big protest guy to begin with. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the First Amendment, so I'll, I think people have the right to do it. But I, I would like to see a little more, uh, like, uh, semblance of idea of what you're actually accomplishing by bringing piss and spraying it on people. And to me, that was like, this is my town, this is my city, and this is how you're going to treat it because you have a different ideology. So that's where all this stuff comes from uh, as far as lyrics. And uh, it's a very aggressive and, you know, a a different type of song for us, I think. Again, there really is no, like, verse or chorus uh, separation, it feels like. And then they got that big middle where you just kind of go off on that solo. Yeah, and it's, uh, again, it's a heavy song, and I think even though it was written... Back then, and sparked by you know that as far as lyrically, it's still everything in that song really is relevant today, even. Yeah, definitely. You, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think the only thing that we'd have to add to that that sentiment would be tiki torches. <laughs> <laughs> Got a tiki torch to tiki torch. There you go. Do you know what I'm talking about or not? No, oh, absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. The the protest walking around. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the, 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 this inane idea that you can just, uh, you, you can basically abuse a freedom that we should all be happy to to enjoy, um, and and basically understand that that you know there are people who paid a price for you to have this right, and I'll defend the right up until the point of you bringing a, a bucket of piss or you know being a bunch of frat bros with tiki torches, you know? Just, just think, to think about the process of doing that, though, going out buying the super soaker, pissing in the super soaker, having enough piss to fill a super so- Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a yeah, lot of it's, steps. Yeah, it's, it's At some up. point, there's a lot of steps during that process where you can say, you know, this is a dumb fucking idea. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we just assign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just get a marker and some uh, pegboard? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, so but it's a great moment. closer, man. Uh, the way this thing ends, you know, with the uh, the little chant that uh, is actually there's chants at the beginning. Uh, just a little insider. Uh, um, that's just Treble and I in a vocal booth going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, and we did like <laughs> we actually had to make it an, just so we could do it enough times to make it sound like you know fifty people. We had to have a, its own track, bounce it, and then dump that into the song. Otherwise, it would just ate up two memory on one song. It's a 
crap load of reverb. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> it sounds good, though. Yeah. Hey, we did it. No. So, great album again. Jesus Chrysler, dot, dot, dot. Deny it all later. Check it out. Buy it on iTunes. Stream it, whatever. Help a just little guy just, out. Yeah. Pay, the, pay the nine bucks. It's yeah. worth it. Just just listen to it. So I'm going to just throw it to you guys. Closing remarks on this album. I, I just have to say that. So before we get to closing remarks, I just want to say, you put a band together, it takes time. You, you know, you're, you're going in your, your crazy-ass basement, uh, and you're hunched over playing guitar. Is, that, is anybody too tall? down there are you hunched over is Shores everybody over? oh Shores is the tallest he's 6'2 six, yeah, six or 6'4 right but you're, so you're making these sacrifices you're spending your free time doing this you're creating art and in short I mean you have to have the passion just like yeah. just like just like we do do this podcast you're taking time away from whatever that is and you're doing this so it's impressive when you finally have the final product as solid and quality as this is so Break it down. Closing remarks? Um, well, for me, I would just like to say it's a relief to finally get this thing out, but it's also kind of a, it's almost a sense of loss because we did so much together, and it was such a, a fun and productive time with uh, collaborating with Treble as far as the writing and demoing and, and final recording and just going through the whole experience was everything I wanted it to be. So thank you, Treble. Um, thank you for all the everything you brought to the table and uh, just elevating you know all the songwriting uh, involved in that. And if you're listening, please check out the record. I think you'll like it if you like this show, but uh, if you don't, that's cool. <laughs> well, for me, yeah, absolutely. Just I love writing music and you know I, this this band I've been in this band for 14 years and uh, you know it's just. Uh, it's just really happy. It's a great time for me to get this album out, and um, I can't wait, wait for everybody to hear it. And do you have like your? I don't know if it's your uh, what it's called on SoundCloud, but you have your your own instrumentals out there too, don't you? Oh yeah, I have some you know side project stuff. Yeah, um, talk about that. Okay, sure. Yeah, um, you know I, I do record my own noise on the side, and it's it's very experimental stuff, but it's different. It's a lot of just. Um, you know, guitar playing really, um, soundscapes and, um, solos that just lead off into space. Right. And I've heard some of them on, but what is the actual, like we're SoundCloud slash Cobra's fire. What is yours? Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, somebody already had treble. Can you believe that? <laughs> I do. So, yeah. I do <laughs> yeah. So it's uh T R, uh, E and then the number three, for the B and then L E. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Yeah, I can send you a link. It's it's easier. It's it's stupid to try to explain it. You know. I get it. I get that what you're going for there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Check check my boy out, man. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's really fun to be on the show and um uh, thank you, Budweiser. Yeah, your stuff again. is. Yeah, your stuff is showing. Your stuff is showing up on my SoundCloud before because I think you like the show or whatever like that. So I've heard some of it. It's, it's, well, thank you. Shit. Yeah, like I said, I've listened to a couple episodes. And thank you, Luz Cannon, for having me, Baco, uh, on the show. Uh, it's uh, good to be a guest. Uh, I uh, it's amazing that I was uh, managed to uh, book this. Uh, so <laughs> that's right. It's a pretty That's-right. big get for us. Uh, it sure is. Yes. So rock's not dead. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Doesn't matter. You'll deny it all later.
something Just causing a scene We gotta protest the protest No thought about the life I lead Time to reject the reject You gave up on right You gave up on time Now the toes you're stepping on They are mine Not afraid to lie Just afraid to fight With your silver spoon Born with an What about you? What do you stand for? What about you? What are you crying for? What about you? What goes on inside of that petty mind of yours? What about you? What is your plan? What about you? Where do you stand? What about you? Did you even think about the actions in your hand? Where you stand? Stand for nothing. You will fall for anything. Stand. Stand for nothing. You will fall for anything. Everything you say, everything you do, don't you know it's all you for the fire? Everything you say, everything you do, don't you know it's all you for the fire? Everything you 
do Don't you know it's no fuel for the fire Yeah, so on so you got a pretty general, heavy nose whistle going tonight. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like a bird in the fucking studio. My nose? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you fucking tell me earlier? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.